right. It's time for another Monusless conversation with Joshua Briscoe, Chiefs expert, <laughs> a friend, a Twitter friend, right? That's that's kind of how we all we all know each other. I feel sadly, like we're Twitter friends. And you know, we're radio friends. We've done a few spots together. I want to say back to the Sammy Watkins conversation. Way yes. back in yes. the report days. But uh I gotta introduce you properly here. So we had we actually had the host of the 49ers postgame show on earlier, and now we've got the host of the Chiefs postgame show on here. So let's see, I have this right. Sports radio eight ten, right? In Kansas City. WHB, baby, in Kansas City. That's absolutely right. I love it. And you do some writing too, I want to say, Arrowhead Report. I I'm all over. This is the thing. And this is why Twitter ends up being a good jumping off point is that if you just get to me on Twitter at JB Briscoe, no E by the way, uh, there are eventually links to every single thing. So yeah, I've got Arrowhead Report over on SI.com, uh, the post game show and the zone, which I co-host with Jason Anderson uh, on 810 in the daytime, plus Times R's on The Athletic. I, look, at this point, I can cut wrestling promos for myself and just try to make your life a little easier because I know there's a lot of credits going on. You've got to be omnipresent, right? You've got to be everywhere, <laughs> yeah. know everything. And yeah. um, as our listeners know, this is a high-quality production, too. So you know, <laughs> even though I'm a long-form writer, this no, it's actually we I'm, – I'm surprised our audio is picked up to the degree it has. But it's, <laughs> we've got a professional here, a radio pro. And I, sure. I just remember talking uh, Sammy Watkins with you. That would have been 20 – Right after the Super Bowl, so 2020, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it would have been. He predicted, yeah, I, he predicted the madness of 2020 in our conversation, it, Sammy did. Yeah, I guess it really would have been like right in that sort of uh, interlude between the last normal world we remember and then right before it fully kind of went to hell. Uh, yeah, that, that story to this day I think about frequently. And then Sammy Watkins pops back up and saying things in different places and genuinely uh, seems like the most interesting man in football. And uh, I honestly... Thank goodness we had you there to to tell the story. It was brilliant. It stuck with me. And uh, reptilian solar beings are within all of us, I like to believe. I'll tell you what, that, that conversation has definitely has stuck with me forever. I, I think of random, you know, points that he brought up throughout, like how you share, like your mood becomes your your wife's mood and your wife's mood becomes your, it's so true. I mean, yeah, right. I know, I know everybody thought he was nuts, but I, I genuinely came away from that conversation like, I believe a lot of the stuff that Sammy Watkins is talking about. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you need you need to have some sort of like creative interpretations of the things that you might see. Like, yeah, everyone's mood sort of reflects off everybody else. Again, have I ever had scales? No, not as far as I can tell. But there's, I, I really You're not do an alien. Find, I, not that I know of. Not that I know of, though. How, That's the thing. Say I, I know how I got here. I don't remember anything from until I was, what, like six or something? I, I'm an unreliable narrator. Well, it's definitely a goal. Like I, I've been in touch with Sammy. I, I want to get together with him and just see where it goes. Like have no plan. Yeah. I didn't really have yeah. a plan last time. I mean, we talked about the Chiefs stuff a little bit. He was a free agent at the time, but mm-hmm. that does feel like another lifetime ago. Really so does. since then, he's he's gone to Baltimore, Green Bay, Baltimore. I mean, he's been all over the place. And the Chiefs are back in. I almost said the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, uh, we've done so much Cincinnati Bengals talk and I've written so much about the Bengals I feel like I have not done nearly enough Chiefs we've got some Chiefs subscribers who listen is up with well you know we could we could hit on Burrowhead we could hit on the ankle we'll get to all that <laughs> but what does what does Joshua Briscoe care most about in this game what, what are you looking forward to most I I think because we have been so saturated in all of it for as long as we have now and this being a rivalry that's had either you know a little bubbling or full-on 
fireworks, pyrotechnics at times, that I'm right now sitting here ready for kickoff, wondering about Chris Jones. Like that is, I know that's not the ankle or burrowhead or any of the quarterbacks or any of that, but we've spent a lot of breath over the last year or so talking about how we're actually supposed to evaluate Chris Jones. He himself has been one of his own harshest critics for his performance in that AFC championship game last year where he got to Joe Burrow, but could never bring down Joe Burrow. He famously and overblownly has zero playoff sacks, despite being one of the best defensive players in football. So these are all things that have been crammed together to where you see this banged up Bengals offensive line, a quarterback who starting to say some Brady things. I don't like comparing him to Tom Brady. I don't think that's good for anybody. Certainly not me, but you've got a quarterback. I look, it's just, it's, it's hard not to, right. But What's what was the the biggest Brady cliche of all time going back to the the giant Super Bowls in particular? Get pressure with four and ideally get it up the middle. And that's what Chris Jones is built to do. So in a lot of ways, this matchup sets up for him brilliantly. In a lot of ways, I am personally nervous about how it's going to pan out because if he has zero sacks and it's all just him getting double teamed four hands on him all day, it's not going to be his fault that the guys outside of him couldn't win their matchups. So I just know that there are going to be a lot of narratives here in Kansas City about Chris Jones out of this game, rightfully or wrongfully. And with my sort of uh, burrowed out brain, if I guess, <laughs> if that's fair, um, I'm looking at I'm looking at the trenches in the defense before I look at the quarterbacks now because I just don't have anything else about the ligaments in my ankle. <laughs> I know. I think I wrote like watching that injury, my ankle hurt. Like in yes, it's yeah, just, it's horrible. I'm, but our ankles just, don't I, work the same. I know, but I don't, I don't like, I don't like even like talking about it and like thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, I just don't want to go there. Horrible. Chris Jones, you're right. We don't, we haven't talked nearly enough about this guy. He could have, uh, honestly, Nick Bosa will win defensive player of the year, but Chris Jones easily could. He is so dominant. I, I can't remember a more dominant interior player. I mean, this, this side of Aaron Donald, like than Chris right. Jones, maybe he's better than Aaron Donald right now. What, what makes him special for people who may not know? Yeah, it's it's funny because in a defense that's largely they've they've had a lot of overhauls and I don't know how much you guys have talked about all of the rookies that are playing, especially the corners and all of that. But if you were to just snap your fingers Thanos style and Chris Jones just fades out of the Chiefs defense, that unit is it's a handful for the Chiefs, not for anybody else. Like they have players there. It is a it is a good average group throughout a bunch of that unit, especially the young guys I still remain really high on because I think the the long-term plan there is really going to pay out. But if you remove Chris Jones, everything slows down. The opportunities aren't there for the guys around him. And he demands all of the attention from any offensive coordinator who knows what they're looking for. So you have to, you have to plan on figuring out when you're probably going to get beat by 95. You've got your fears of the fact that he could play anywhere across that defensive line and will show up there in different at different times throughout a game. And if he does get left one on one, it's it's the odds are no longer in your favor. If he's demanding double teams persistently, eventually Frank Clark, George Karloftis, these guys who have come on more later in the year have to be able to clean up there. So it, it is a, it is a defense that does not function without Chris Jones as as presently constructed probably plays the run better than Aaron Donald too. I mean, he's just much, he much larger. never gets credit for that being. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just, he he's enormous in literally figuratively every phase of, of the game. Yeah. It's, and, and also like he understands yeah. Steve Spagnuolo's defense on a level that is probably tough for a lineman who has their back to everything as much as he does. But he talked about that a couple of weeks ago, just that he kind of has the understanding now that he knows when he can cheat a little or freelance a little bit. 
and it's not going to have the, the domino effect negatively behind it. I just remember after that Super Bowl uh, win against San Francisco, being down there, I mean, they, you know, they're set up on like the mini podium. So it's a little more intimate setting. You can kind of move around, chat with different guys. Chris Jones was feeling it. He was talking about this being a dynasty, but he was like speaking in an angry tone. I mean, I was right there and I was a little scared, Chris Jones. <laughs> you know, he, he's kind of horrifying to be around. Yeah. You're, you're around right. him all, regularly. Is he a little yeah. scary? And then we saw like the see all burrow head. I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to see you there. No, thanks. Exactly. Nobody, nobody does the, the uh, comedy and tragedy masks quicker and more hilariously than Chris Jones. Cause I also think that if you were to pull the locker room or, or to just find like the best personalities, the guys you would want to be around or to get a quote from or whatever, Chris Jones is on the podium there. Like one, two, three, he, he is legitimately a, a delight when he's in delight mode. And then sometimes you get, <laughs> you get what happens on the football field, man. Like that's, Frank Clark is also this way where you might just you can tell by the first or second question how their day is gone or how it's going to be going. And uh, the the CL Burrowhead Chris Jones that we got to, to wrap this week up is is definitely the uh, the main character aggressor type of quote from him for sure. Well, that's a good segue because I, we've spent a lot of time thinking about Burrowhead talking about it. I just got back from Cincinnati. Uh, we have a story up at, at golongtd.com right now for Chatting with Eli Apple, Von Bell, Mike Hilton, Trey Flowers, Jesse Bates, I, I, DJ Reader, BJ. I'll try to talk to as many of these guys one-on-one as I could all over the locker room. And I, I genuinely think that this is a team swaggering and feeling itself and owning it. I mean, calling themselves the villains and owning it. We're the bad guys. Like, we, we've been genuinely disrespected. Nobody wanted us. We signed with Cincinnati because nobody else really wanted us. Mike Hilton, undrafted, Pittsburgh. You know, there was a point before that where he thought he was going to work at Foot Locker. Um, and, and now there's Hilton looking into the camera saying, see y'all at Burrowhead and owning it, which is great. Like he's not backing off of it. So how is this all genuinely perceived in Kansas City? Because outside looking in, we see Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey doing their podcast. And Travis is, you know, he's kind of calling it bulletin board material. I think he cited the fans calling it Burrowhead at first, but he knows – he knows where it came from. I'm sure they Chris got Jones it sorted knows. out. Yeah. 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 So Chris Jones definitely does. What, yeah, what, what's how is it? I don't know. I, I don't think like comments made in the media usually mean a hell of a lot on the field, but you're, it looks like it might here. What, what do you think? Yeah. I think what it does, because I, I am typically the, the skeptic on all of the through the week trash talk or again, bulletin board material, like, Oh, great. That guy said something vaguely disrespectful. Now we're really going to try to win. Like, that's nonsense, right? But also, totally. these guys talk about it. Like, and there is something to it where, I, where where maybe the effect is a little extra focus on a Wednesday, you know? Or it's just like, all right, we, you know, do we have a second to catch our breath here? No, man, because these guys are 3-0 and against us. And that's the most vicious of any of the smack talk at this point, because it's the most effective when you can genuinely just point up and say, scoreboard which the Bengals can do three times over now that's the that's the trash talk you can't talk back from and so I think that's the the mode we largely saw the Chiefs in this week in particular was hey there's nothing we can say you can call it Burrowhead we can't go call it uh what Pat Core Stadium I guess we we don't have that opportunity (laughs) because we haven't done it yet so I I think the Chiefs feel it that way um where I mean but again the actual yapping throughout the week I think is less effective than the idea of, oh, well, if we go to 0-4, we're going to have a whole offseason of people saying the Bengals are the new kings of the AFC. 
and we can agree or disagree. We can dissect it, but it's going to be really hard to just dismiss it out of hand if they're up for nothing. Like, who cares what happened with Tyler Huntley? It doesn't matter if we can't beat this team. So, yeah, I, I think there is a lot of juice here. And it all all of it, again, one other thing I guess it does, it, it validates it all as a legitimate rivalry. Like, there is going to be yeah. tension here between these teams for years to come, which personally – I'm excited about because I kind of like both of these quarterbacks. I kind of like both of these teams. I kind of like a little bit of bad blood and a little uh, new AFC spark up. I totally agree. I, I don't want the lovey dovey scenes swapping jerseys after, after these games, we need teams that genuinely don't like each other. It's fun. It's refreshing. And God help the chiefs. If, if Cincinnati wins, because I mean, Jesse Bates said himself, like you better, you better win. Cause if you, if you don't, you're going to hear from Eli Apple. Like Eli is going to have some things to say if Cincinnati wins this game and he'll, if they win a Super Bowl, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what happens to Eli Apple. It's, it's going to be, it's going to put the summer of Gronk to shame. And he already, he, he already knows everybody hates him. Yeah. So he might as well like lead in. Smith, like shirtless parade. Oh. Like that's what it's going to be if he wins the whole thing. So what, if you get down to the matchup then, like give me a reason. Why? I mean, I know you mentioned Chris Jones, but maybe, maybe other than that, the reason why like Kansas City would win this game, and a reason why Kansas City would lose this game from a, from a Chiefs perspective. I think again, I'm I'm going back to the defense and everything I said about Chris Jones just as the baseline. But trying to figure out what they're going to do against all these weapons is fascinating because pressure, notwithstanding, again, we've certainly covered that. Um, they're going to have two rookies and three guys on rookie contracts out there covering all these receivers, and if they expand it by one more, it'll be uh, three rookies and four guys on rookie contracts. With Trent McDuffie, the first round pick, missed a huge chunk of the season, so he's still relatively fresh uh, on on terms I of his. Not about that. He was out for experience. a while. Yeah, he 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 got hurt in week one, and then he was out for six or seven weeks now. Um, so he ended up missing that huge chunk of time. Then you have Jalen Watson, the seventh round pick, who just climbed up the depth chart. Joshua Williams, whose fault it was a, a fourth round pick, uh, third or fourth, fourth round pick, I think. A lot of corners in Kansas City. Uh, he ended up getting jumped there by, by Watson. Then you have Legarius Sneed, who's just been tremendous. He was a fourth round pick a little bit ago. So those guys matching up, we just saw the chiefs be willing to let Sneed travel a little bit earlier this season. Uh, my friend, Nate Taylor uh, with the athletic and uh, on times ours as well. He had mentioned on an episode of times ours that, that Sneed's original plan to travel was against Mike Williams against the chargers. And then Williams got hurt early on. They kind of scrapped that plan. And then he did travel with DK Metcalf in the Seahawks game when Tyler Lockett was out. So what I think we could see against the Bengals and what I'd kind of like to see is to let Snead travel, not with Jamar Chase, but with T Higgins. He's six, four, I think to Chase's six feet. And you just say, all right, that's a matchup. We're going to go ahead and let it be one-on-one. We like our guy here. And then it's you plus somebody else on Jamar Chase. And, and we see what we can do with that. It's a little more man. It's a little more risky. It might let Spags be a little more creative and where he brings his pressures and the Chiefs, and especially in zones over the middle in that last matchup, Willie Gay and, and Nick Bolton did not have good games on the ground or in coverage. So trying to figure out how they can rely on these, yeah, I'm going to say rely on these rookie cornerbacks that they've found some faith in, I, I just think is going to be huge. Um, and then I guess to the inverse, if they lose this game, I think Patrick Mahomes' ankle ends up being a little bit of a problem in a way we haven't seen it be him walking up and down some steps to the podium. Being able to drive off that back foot, I know his mechanics are already wonky, and that could help here. That's great. 
I also just wonder about the Chiefs' ability to actually get some of those big plays with the non-Travis Kelsey category of guys. Um, maybe Kadarius Tony has a huge game. I would adore that. I've fallen in love with that man very quickly. Uh, I think Andy Reid has He's too. He's good. He is so good, man. He moves so differently. Um, but I, I think that it, it ends up being an issue of does the offense make any of its own mistakes? And that's when the, these Chiefs teams have, have lost their games this year, have been self-inflicted wounds, and the Bengals are too good to have any of those against. So that is a very long-winded answer with some more wow. on each side of the ball. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you can you're, – you're a long-form writer. I occasionally become a long-form talker. It is, it is go writer. long, so you can just talk <laughs> as long true. as you want. <laughs> I just saw that over your shoulder, and it was mesmerizing. <laughs> yeah, I just – no one's giving me a rap sign or a break sign. There's no commercials to play. No, These podcast no. things, these are the future. It is. Some would say the present. Um, <laughs> so you're right. You're, I, I, that's a fantastic breakdown. And Brian Callahan, the the offensive coordinator, kind of met with a, a few of us um, in Cincinnati. And he, he was talking about Jamar Chase. He said he was kind of like shocked, a little surprised at that first game. He's like, yeah, they didn't really, you know, it's almost like they didn't really realize what he could do that first game. Just kind of played it straight up and Obviously, he went for 200 yards, three touchdowns, and yeah, and that, that, that's kind of like the forgotten Cincinnati KC game. That game was nuts. Mm-hmm. And then AFC Championship game, they they have a plan. They do a better job on him. He still makes a few plays, but doesn't kill him, and you know they still lose. And then the third game, I think Jamar Chase had like 80 something yards and a touchdown. So yeah, it's kind of like they've, they've they've set attention his way, but is what they've done different than what you've described? Have they have they tried? What you just said, like have somebody else follow. Higgins and just constantly bracket chase. Yeah, they they haven't had anybody follow anybody to to what okay. the, the the quick scan through of my memory because it was a really big deal when Snead did do it against against DK uh, six or seven weeks ago. This season is a blur. Uh, oh. Six months ago, yesterday, whenever they played the Seahawks, um, Christmas Eve, I think. But um, that was a new sort of revelation there. So that's why I think that wrinkle could be the different thing here. They've tried different stuff. It, it just hasn't. It just hasn't worked because those matchups are never actually working for the team that doesn't have Jamar Chase. The other thing that they could try more of, in my opinion, is tackling Jamar Chase the first time, uh, which I know I know no one can do. That's not a Chiefs exclusive problem, but they've actually been. This is a, a place that I've found a real sort of second breath of belief in this defense this last month. The last uh, three games of the regular season and then against the Jags, those corners I talked about, aggressive like straight to the football, swarming, physical, bringing guys down the first time. That wasn't happening very much the first 12 weeks. And I think that's probably just comfort in the defense, game slowing down for the young guys. But that's been like a hallmark of the, the last four games. So if they can even just improve by some order of magnitude against Chase, that's another thing. It's, it's not schematic, I guess, but execution-wise, it was deadly. And especially, again, over the middle, which which goes back to – where you leave Nick Bolton and Willie Gay on the field and where you don't, I guess that's one thing they could do differently is Brian Cook, the uh, safety out of Cincinnati that they drafted yeah. this year. He could get on the field a little more. His his workload increased later in the year. And so maybe he comes on for Gay, even though I prefer Gay in coverage than Bolton. Steve Spagnuolo's not taking Nick Bolton away from his team or family, or he has, if Nick Bolton could babysit for Spags, I'm sure because <laughs> he, uh, he loves Nick Bolton. And I get it, but uh, figuring that out also, Brian Cook could be another little wrinkle there for, trying to, to change the math a little bit against that offense. Hey, what, what, what is uh Spagnuolo like? Because I, I've never talked to him, never really been around him. Oh, I'm just thinking back to like, so Jimmy Graham and my tight ends book said how when Greg Williams was the defense coordinator, 
Like he just chucked the football Greg Williams' head in practice and they're motherfucking each other back and forth. Fuck you, fuck you. Like like Fridays were just I mean they do that's I mean those those are the bounty gate years and they Oh yeah, Saints, dude. The Saints were gnarly. They were nasty and it started there <laughs> in practice with Jimmy Graham and, and Greg Williams kind of going at it. And they both loved it. I mean, Sean yeah. Payton loved it. Greg Williams loved it. So when Spagnola got after when they got caught, right, with the bounty gate <laughs> stuff and Greg Williams was suspended. Spagnola's the defensive coordinator, and Jimmy said that he chucked the football at Spags' head, and like it, it didn't hit him, but he was like, "Oh my god!" He was startled, <laughs> and he just didn't say anything. And after practice, it's, Spagnola went up to him like Jimmy, like, "What? What was that about?" Like, it, it was a totally different reaction, and Jimmy kind of rolled his eyes, like, "Yeah, it was it was not the same relationship." So that's all I know about Steve Spagnola, really. It's as, as it's, a person. Per- it's perfect. It's a per- no. It's a perfect story, dude. Um, he's my favorite. I coordinator day is a treat. And, and so the last couple of years I've gotten to actually be out there at the facilities and now doing the, the midday show at 810. I'm I'm listening to every syllable of every presser because we're carrying them live on 810, but I don't get to be out there as much anymore. And so one of the things I always try to do is I just beg us to try to get the very first syllables of Spags' pressers on air every week because it's always he always gets to the podium. <laughs> this is so small, but it got me through so many weeks of of just good, good Thursday press conference grinds. It would always be like 11.55 a.m. And he'd always come up and be like, good morning. Or is it afternoon? Anyway, um, I don't really remember who we played last week, but I kind of moving on. I'll try to help you out. But uh, well, I'm, I'm all he is. Like every, every single week, it's good morning, good afternoon. And like, I just, he, he just, he is so unique oh, as yeah. a, in the coaching atmosphere where I just I've never interacted with anybody else quite like him. He seems like a like a wonderful man. Um, oh, I'm I, sure, like I'm sure he's a fantastic person, and so he, he really seems like, like he it. dropped into this world. It was not yeah. a good yeah, yeah. It's just it's just like he has a, a sensibility about him that, that like he's just such a defensive genius that he's just been kind of like walking around like. Like the dude, like he's like the the dude was a defensive coordinator and was very much from New Jersey, Philadelphia, uh, the the Northeast, just soaking in all of that. And then and then coming through the the football pipeline to land here and and talk about, you know, oh, go again. We got Patrick Mahomes. It's like what a a life we lead now. Um, I just love those. uh, I love the the press conference idiosyncrasies are the best. Like, yes. I can yes. remember Mike McCarthy in, in Green Bay where it was like, you'd ask about injuries, you know, every day. It's just, you have to do it. You ask about injuries to everybody. And his, I think he just kind of did it as like a, as an impulse to buy himself a little bit more time. So you'd ask the name of a player and he'd repeat the first player's name back. So which it, it worked fine if it was like, I don't know, like J, James Starks. You say, what's up with James Starks? You know, James, James, James. Like, 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 it was asking like, what's James? So that, it, it would fly then. But then, it, like Jermichael Finley, you'd ask, "How's Jermichael <laughs> Finley doing?" Is Jermichael? Jermichael? No, no, the other Jermichael on the team, Mike. Finley, the other, Finley, the other one. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's great. I, I love, mean, that's why press conferences are just terrible. I mean, they they are pretty. Yeah. Awesome. It's just it's it's performance and it's a production, and you're not yes. really having real conversations. No, and and really, I don't know how long it took. And I think Spags and Eric Bieniemy really were the guys that got to to open my eyes to this. Once you accept what you just said, where it's just it's just performance art. Once your eyes are open to that, it becomes a dance, man. It is so funny. Like, we'll have, you know, one of, seriously, 
the Kansas City beat reporter group is outrageously good. I, I love these people. And you'll have one of these intrepid reporters. You have Nate Taylor, you know, be like, uh, so if you, uh, you know, will, uh, will you activate uh, Jody Fortson or, or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this week, you think? And, and Andrew goes, yeah, you know, I got I to gotta talk to Rick. I will, you know, I mean, that's really a question for Brett. Coach, coach knows we're not talking to Brett Veach anytime soon. That's a question for Brett. When you guys get to ask him in three months. Like, all right, cool. the GM is not available until the offseason. Yes. You yeah, should ask you, him. Ask in the offseason if Jordan, Jody Fortson's ready to go in week 12, right, right? Right. Yeah. It's like we will. Hey, well, listen, if you drive to Indianapolis for the combine, you're going to get 12 minutes to ask Brett Veach about something you wanted to know in week 12. And it's it genuinely doesn't even bother me anymore because it's just it, that's all what it is it, it is just an episode of of yeah. stupid succession like this is the lowest stakes house of cards thing ever <laughs> i love it too when it's uh you know some coaches and gms that they a lot of them really don't say a damn thing but they'll, <laughs> they'll be very friendly about it yes. and they'll use and they'll use your first name so it's <laughs> like oh you know you know, Jay, I, I really, oh, I really appreciate that question. I, I really appreciate it. And then it's just like nothingness for the next twenty-eight <laughs> words. And but, so, so no, nobody benefits. I, I don't. Know, I never ask a, a thing in press conferences. I try to do everything like one-on-one if you can, right? To actually right, learn absolutely. something. Yeah. All right. I don't. I, I just imagine most people somewhere in here, but yeah. I don't know. I've been. In, I forgot we were doing a podcast <laughs> at some point. Um, I just uh, like the, the ankle, I... the ankle. Sorry, Patrick. Oh Mahomes yeah, great. Ankle. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes' um, ankle. It's fine. I think maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll, you know that's a that's a bit. I got to go talk to Rick. You, that's a question for Brett. I'll get you. <laughs> I'll get about Patrick's ankle on Monday. Get Jackson on the horn. Is Jackson yeah, available? That's right. Maybe you can right. check I'll, in. That's uh, they also have to run that through through Chiefs PR actually. So it's TikTok PR probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's a tight ship. But I I don't know. I, I, I'm no ankle expert. All I know is mine's like, you know, blown to bits and I don't want to get surgery. But right. watching that, it looked painful. It looked terrible. He wasn't the same quarterback in the second half, obviously. Um, and we talked about it on here, but, you know, Brett Favre at times, when he busted up his ankle or really any injury, it would force him to be disciplined and play from the pocket and not do the crazy ass stuff that yeah. Favre had the propensity to do. So, I mean, it could be a good thing. Then 1995, way back now, uh, Bears game late in the season, five touchdowns was lights out. His ankle was like swollen like a basketball that week. Yeah. So maybe Mahomes is forced. I mean, I know it drives Kurt Warner nuts. We talked about it. He's like, man, I love Mahomes. He's driving me nuts because he's he's just not seeing the field. He's kind of getting – he's fading out of plays and and making the crazy play, but that's going to catch up to you. And this is like the spin zone of all spin zones, but maybe it, this is the perfect time to hurt your ankle. You're not going to be <laughs> tempted to do something crazy uh, yeah. that you otherwise would do when it just, it behooves you to stay in the pocket and trust the play, trust what Andy Reid's calling and, and, and hit your open receivers. I, I don't know. Maybe it's that, or maybe it's like he's playing with a ski boot on and he can't move it up. Right. Well, yeah. And I think some of that, some, some of the, the pocket bailing and all of that, there, there are, I'm going to, this, I'm going to couch this twice. On one hand, I think that's like one of the most overblown Patrick Mahomes storylines dating back to like his draft profile, you know, where that at that point, I think it was pretty overblown. And then once you see him actually playing for Andy Reid in his offense after a year behind Alex Smith, it was much better than I think even than people expected it to be. And so I kind of, I, I would say that that narrative is typically like one or two degrees hotter than it should be at most times in my, yeah. my mind. And then you have stretches when it's the one thing that makes you want to pull your hair out for like three weeks, it is a legitimate problem. 
And, and that's typically when, in my eyes, it's, it's when he's not trusting his offensive line and he starts feeling the pressure even before it gets there. And look, we are literally talking about nitpicking on the greatest quarterback currently living and, and maybe the quarters, greatest quarterback to ever live. We'll find out eventually. Ooh. But e- even with that in mind, like that is something that has bugged him. And so I'm really interested to see what it's going to be when he knows there isn't that second gear to go to. And you saw him die in the pocket a few times in that second half. It was the jump pass. It was the jump pass off the bum ankle. It was still getting hit and delivering a, a strike to Marquez Valdez-Scantling for that touchdown. I'm like, those those plays may have been bails out backwards to either side, any angle. It doesn't really matter. It's Patrick Mahomes. But instead of the bailing and creating, it, it is you have to make this decision now from right here. And so I... I love the created parts. I, I love what happens when Patrick Mahomes does break the play and then see what else happens, especially when you have Travis Kelsey there to be the perfect like co-pilot for that sort of improvisation. But if there's a chance that he's able to still use his right foot in the pocket in the way that he wants to be able to, then yeah, maybe we see him just like in Top Gun mode where it's just in the cockpit, lasers everywhere. I guess there weren't lasers in Top Gun, but you'll forgive <laughs> this broken metaphor. Uh, I've never seen Top Gun. I, 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 I thought, nope, I had assumed there were lasers. There weren't lasers, and it, I, I'm glad to hear you admit that because usually I'm the one that gets, you haven't seen that movie? And that's usually I'm on the other side. Uh, but I went and watched Top Gun because I was tired of oh, being yelled at about so, the same Top Gun. But Quick tangent, like that's, that story I just have up on the Bengals, they're talking about being the villains and everything and going full Joker and Bane and... Like Trey Flowers is like, so yeah, like they're making all these references, like, yeah, we're gonna burn the money. The end, the end of this movie is we're gonna burn the money, and you know they they're quoting uh they're quoting all this stuff. And I, I Dark Knight, I, these are all things from the Dark Knight. I itself. saw like parts of the Dark Knight. I thought Bane at first was like just another name for Batman. I thought it was like, oh, it was, wow, it was man. Christian Bale pretending to be Batman. So I didn't even know Bane. So I had to do my research for this story and watch all these scenes that they referenced. So no, I'm. I'm the king of never seen that. I haven't watched one second of Star Wars. This all looks terrible. Uh, that's so. that's all right. That's okay. It, it listen for for people that do enjoy content on that level. Part of the of the the cycle is going up to people and going, "You haven't seen my favorite movie? What? How?" And, and you know, it's either exciting to, feel like to share it with you, or it's exciting to shame you. It depends on the type of people you have in your life. <laughs> well, you seem like a friendly guy. You're not shaming me, I, which I appreciate. I, no, I'm not. I will never. I have no leg to stand on for for movie shaming. <laughs> well, let, yeah. What? All right, just random. What is like one of your favorite movies? Let's just hear it. I uh, I this is going to make me sound really cultured or really dorky, but my like favorite entire sort of collection of movies is at one point. Uh, my fiance and I went through and watched every Wes Anderson movie in order um, because one of my favorite movies of all time is Fantastic Mr. Fox. You can see my little Zoom background. I got a little wow, poster there. I see I it. Nice. One. I got a bigger one over there that's like movie size, um, stop motion with like a crazy cast. It's just, I, I've got, the, this rabbit hole goes pretty deep. Um, if you <laughs> if we want to really go ahead and just plan a part two, uh, but but I, I love the Wes Anderson uh, the entire collection, really, and uh, I'm also kind of a sci-fi guy. I, you know, I like I like my Star. I grew up on my Star Wars. I've got some Star Wars stuff back. I could probably ooh sci-fi. Fine. I got a lot of Pokemon back here. It's not a movie, okay. but it just sort of adds to the picture. I mean, there were movies, but that's not you know that's not. You're not into audio books, are you? Like for sci-fi? I'm in. A, I'm into audio books a little bit, but I uh, a sci-fi. I don't think I've listened to sci-fi recently. I'm not a sci-fi guy, but uh, my brother-in-law he got me on the Audible. 
Project Hail Mary. Have you listened to that one? Don't know what that is, but right. it sounds interesting. I see. I like Check recommendations and I like recommending things. So it's apocalyptic. Uh, great, great audiobook. Just this, uh, I think he's like a middle school science teacher basically has to save all of humanity because the sun is not getting heat to earth. I, I don't want to give too much away. It's being made into a movie right now. I think Ryan Gosling's going to play the part of this. Okay, well, now character. I'm in. If you want to just. Just drop me that. You want to drop me that link? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Show. I'd like to look at. I got some Audible credits that I, you know, I, I got my Audible subscription in a real like. I'm gonna start doing this kind of way. And, and then, then you I have like did 14 couple, And now I got a lot of credits. And it's like, oh, those are. This is not a cheap. This That's how Bezos gets you, man. They make it so hard to get out of there too. Like, I know. To cancel it. It's yes. Insane. Yes. Can I pause my subscription? Yeah, but we'll burn all the books in your home. Like I don't think Jeff. I don't think you're legally allowed to do that. You're, and we'll you get like one credits. pause a year. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You can take a reading break for one for one month every six years, and then it's back to the books with you, and it will be fifty dollars a month. He, he is like a guy. middle school teacher, just telling Seriously. you you must you must read and you must listen, and yes. you can't get out of this contract. Yeah. Yes. Jeff Bezos is like if Lex Luthor was a middle school teacher. It is. He is outrageous. Well, he's got the NFL by the balls now. They're not going to get out of Thursday night football. So, you know, uh, we can talk about health and safety all we want, but if Bezos throws enough money at you, tough. tough. Yeah, seriously. I, there's there's a lot of things I'm sure I would – a lot of my own health and safety I would sacrifice for Bezos. But uh, yeah. honestly, I don't I don't think there's any price worth putting the world through Colts-Broncos again. I don't oh, – I Jesus. won't – I mean, here, here I, we are on the eve of championship Sunday. And, I know. And you, you had to bring up Colts-Broncos. But like, you ever watch PTSD a movie as a as a child, like you shouldn't have seen, you know, just like one horror movie. It's like watching. That... It's like watching Human Centipede as like a ten year old. Yeah, exactly. It's like well, there's which I've never seen that. I don't plan to. But I've read the Wikipedia page. That's as far as I was willing to go. I need to know what it was all about. Uh, guess what? Seems pretty bad. Russell Wilson like, yeah, on you... Prime Time or Human Centipede? You know. Yeah. I... See, like if you. Oh. I'm gonna need a minute to kind of process that. It's the same. It's the same message either way. It's it really it's is. that no matter what, we will, you will, you will eat up whatever the NFL <laughs> feeds you, oh, even man. if it's Broncos Colt. Oh, all right, you know what? We should probably just get a prediction and get the hell out of here. He should have. No, you should have. Yeah, you should have been this my call ten minutes ago. I I got <laughs> irresponsible. Uh, oh, this God. was fun, man. I can't thank you enough. I think I told you 15, 20 minutes and we just kept rolling. So thanks so uh, much. Yeah, for I, I've genuinely enjoyed it. If you can, if you can believe it. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I've enjoyed this up until this moment because you said, you said the P word and I've never been less confident in a prediction in my entire life. And it's never felt worst um, to, to put out into the world, but I've been going with Bengals 28 chiefs, 27, I, I just have this little bit of hesitance about the offense, like fully clicking. I'm a little more worried about the, the Mahomes ankle thing than I think most people are. I'm a little bit worried about like Frank playoff, Frank Clark running out of gas at the worst time or, or Nick Bolton and Willie Gay just being left in the middle of the field with, with a bad day from the safeties. Perhaps I just, it's a 51 49 don't hey Bengals fans don't get sensitive here but it's a real coin flip type of game oh. to me joe oh. if joe mr oh. mixon if you're listening this is not it's not bolton board material but it really is that kind of game for me i very little would surprise me um i i hope it is something within one point 
but I, I'm ever so slightly leading Bengals. I would be quite happy to be ever so slightly wrong. And uh, regardless, I don't think I'm going to uh, to rewatch any of the other things we've talked about today. And so Sunday will be a, a welcome break. I hear you. I agree completely. I think it is a coin flip game. Probably skewing Cincinnati. Just, uh, I don't know. Some, some about the, they just kind of convinced me. Like the confidence level. Like mm-hmm. They really are going in there just without a worry, a care in the world. But it's going to come down to the end. And who has the ball last? That's how these games with these quarterbacks usually go. That was awesome. If they do, hey, if, if Kansas City does win, are you going to be in Phoenix? Because we got to do this in person. If you are, I I am not going to be in Phoenix. I've got I've got too many I've got too many offenses to coordinate back here on the the Kansas City side. Uh, That's but, true. But uh, I I'm hoping we will have we will have uh, Jason out there for sure on the eight ten side, and uh, I'll try to at least at least I can link you guys up. And then oh we'll my god, it. man. He will love shaming you about all the movies you haven't seen because he's the <laughs> he's the sleep paralysis demon in my in the corner of my room about like yeah. all of the Adam Sandler movies I haven't seen. He will he will love to to exchange blows with you on that also. So I'll I'll try to. It's one of those up. things where I've probably have seen all the Adam Sandler movies, but I'm not just you know walking around bragging about that. Or that. <laughs> I don't do, I don't make people. You'll do that. figure it out. You guys, will, I bet you guys will be okay. Click is a good movie though. That that, that a hits movie. you in the feels. Hey, yeah. look, yeah. He, he's got range, man. I just, there's just a lot of Sandler movies I haven't seen. And some of them have sports themes. And then people get very upset with me for not seeing the sports themed ones. It happens. Have you seen the water boy? I got to go. Uh, it's been a pleasure oh, to be here with you, but I got, uh, I got right, places get to out, be. watch the water boy and come back with <laughs> a full report on the mud dogs. <laughs> Thanks dude. Thank you. Thank you for having me.